Today on Ag News Daily. When some of these fires plagued over just the west of the, of the Fort Worth area, there were trailers upon trailers upon trailers of people just sitting alongside of the road, just waiting for for people to give them direction on who needed help getting cattle out. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell joined by Tanner Winterhoff on today's episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Hope everyone had a safe and fun 4th of July weekend. Tanner, did you have a safe I did. Stayed safe. Had a bunch of fun. And we got some rain. So so much moisture here through most of the state of Iowa and a lot of our listeners in the states that border ours. Yes, we certainly did get quite a bit of rain. And I think quite a few folks could use some rain, Tanner. But we also saw late last week heading into the weekend, uh, some of the first reports of tar spots were identified in central Iowa cornfields this past weekend, according to Iowa State. So it's time for farmers to start scouting fields. Absolutely. We uh, have a couple of listeners that I saw some posts on Twitter from as everybody get out there. And uh, it was quite comical. It said, when I play the game, is it fly poop or tar spot? So you got to really rub <laughs> those leaves to make sure that uh, you are doing the investigation that you need to before you make your fungicide plans. So uh, unfortunate, Delaney, it's going to be a tough road to go if we have a much more need for fungicides if they are not readily available. That's interesting. I didn't know that you needed to rub it to see if it was fly poop poop or tar spots, but I suppose that does make sense. <laughs> it's one of those things where you really don't want it to be tar spots. So you're going to do everything yeah. that you can to figure out if it is or if it isn't. But Delaney, let's jump across to Argentina here for my first piece of news for the day. Uh, their president, Alberto Fernandez, named Silviana Baticas the new minister of economy. So to replace Guzman, who has resigned, uh, Argentina's farm sector is rallying uh, behind this move with a little bit of fear to see if they can move things forward. So Martin Guzman, the country's most recent economy minister, resigned on Saturday as Argentina struggles with inflation and massive debt obligations, which sounds familiar uh, to a lot of stories around the world right now. Uh, Sylvina came from Buenos Aires. She there was their Minister of Economy from 2011 to 2015, has a similar stance for continued public spending and other intervening economic policies, which is tough for a nation that has a climbing debt level. So farmers are paying really close attention to what that could have impact on export taxes Right now, exports on corn and wheat are taxed at 12%. Uh, the government is exploring the possibility of increasing those. Of course, export taxes on soybean oil and soybean meal went from 31% to 33% this year. So a lot of pressure on Argentina's farmer now as they have a change in office. Yeah, I've got lots of international news myself today, Tanner. So I want to kick things over here to Brazil where I guess this is a little bit anecdotal, but I trust Angie Setzer fairly well when she puts out a piece of news that it is probably accurate and she has done her homework. But she tweeted out this morning, Tanner, that StoneX has raised their Brazilian corn crop forecast up from the previous month. Uh, now 
anticipating about 119.3 million metric tons of corn, about uh, 1.3 billion bushels higher than what we saw last year. So that could certainly have some negative impact in the market. However, Brazil, just like we are here in the United States, is also dealing with fertilizer imports that have jumped to new levels as farmers prepare to plant their next crop. According to Reuters, Brazilian fertilizer imports in June jumped 18.6% in price, and that has certainly caused some question about how many acres of corn and soybeans Brazil will plant here for this next crop rotation. But the data suggests that Brazil imports about 85% of their fertilizer needs, Tanner. Yikes. Yeah, that will definitely be another piece for us to watch to see what comes down the pipe for uh, what's considered an affordable crop to be planted in Brazil. Uh, Coming back over to the U.S., but talking China, there is continued discussion over risks to agriculture over China's U.S. projects. So, of course, the biggest level of scrutiny is hitting a Chinese company's corn mill project that is being planned for North Dakota, and that is now being viewed as a national security issue. So Republican members of Congress on Friday introduced the legislation that we reported on to curb China's investment in the U.S., especially agriculture. And this plan for the Chinese-owned corn mill is right in the crosshair. So the Chinese conglomerate Fufang Group announced last fall that it would plan, it plan to build a 25 million bushel corn wet milling plant in Graham Forks, and that would employ 220 people. It also bought 370 acres just north of the city. That land is about 12 miles east of the Grand Forks Air Force Base. So you can see here, Delaney White might raise some red flags, whether they're necessary or not, but it has forced Congress to start acting. So Republicans Rick Crawford of Arkansas and a member of the House Agricultural Committee, Republican Elise Stefanik from New York, are spearheading the Promoting Agriculture Safeguards and Security Pass Act that would ban China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and others from buying U.S. agricultural companies. This bill also would include listing agriculture and biotechnology related to agriculture as critical infrastructure and would place agricultural secretary as a standing member of the committee on foreign investment for the United States. So a lot of steps being taken here to potentially monitor foreign countries investment in the United States. Yeah, I saw some other big projects that could also get blocked by this piece of legislation, Tanner, because, you know, the other question I have is like, you look at companies like Smithfield, uh, they have Chinese origins, they're owned by the WH group out of China. So would companies like that no longer be able to operate in business? There's a lot of question marks, I think. Yeah, where do you end up drawing the line is something to be determined. Yeah, but nonetheless, uh, speaking of our food supply, Ukraine Agricultural Ministry Zelensky on Monday said that Ukraine is in heavy talks right now with Turkey to try and work on getting grain exports out via railway, which is, yes, kind of starting to sound like a broken record because we've been continuing to hear these conversations have been going on for quite some time now. But Zelensky also said that Ukraine was working not only directly with Turkey, but also directly with the United Nations Secretary and others who are trying to help play a lead role 
and get their grain out of the country. But I also saw in the headlines this morning, Tanner, that last month's grain shipments, grain exports were down. I think I said, I think it said 76% coming out of the country of Ukraine. So a large majority of those issues have been infrastructure issues. And so they're doing everything they can there to continue to try and figure out how they get that grain out of the country. Wow. Yeah. 76% is a large number. I know we had heard early reports of being down 40, you know, back mm-hmm. when the uh, disagreement started to escalate. Um, but certainly not good news over there. Well, the last piece I have isn't really a ton of news, but it is great for the public relations, PR and storytelling of agriculture. So an Emmy award winning TV series is telling agriculture story in a unique way. So I don't know, Delaney, if you or our listeners have come across the uh, PBS special called My Job Depends on Ag, which is largely focused on California's farm culture, but a now Emmy award-winning TV show that PBS has put out. So Jeff, one of the writers and the founders, this him and his team have a unique approach to delivering Ag's message. So they state right here that they try to write out piece by piece each episode together as if they're trying to explain it to an eighth grader. They state if you aim for the eighth grade level of understanding, you're going to catch 80% of America and they can figure out the message that you are trying to deliver, especially it's important to get their perspective of agriculture. So their production style is kind of like a content puzzle, the way Jeff describes it here in this article. says his team puts together um, a lot of great content into an episode that allows it to tell the story but their last episode or episode from last season called california won the emmy thanks to its commitment to their style so uh, you can take a look on a lot of free platforms to watch this pbs special for yourself Uh, but it is great here delaney to see that um, an american grown episode or an american grown tv series my job depends on ag is out there educating the world and educating the United States citizens on what ag does to maintain their food availability. Absolutely, Tanner. And I do not have a very fun piece of news here to kick things off with, but did want to make mention, you know, as we were lucky enough to get some major rainfall here in central Iowa yesterday, the 4th of July, which made things pretty muggy afterwards, and it's still fairly muggy this morning, a lot of the Midwest and Corn Belt could still use a lot of rain. For the Corn Belt as a whole, June 2022 was the seventh warmest and third driest year in 30 plus years, Tanner. So I'm sure we're going to see that reflected in today's crop progress, uh, crop conditions report. And this is also interesting as well. Cassidy shared this with the both of us and thought it would just mention it here quickly. But Alaska, of all places, are seeing some record-breaking wildfires fueled by, again, a hot and dry start to their summer as well, Tanner. So literally, it feels like everywhere across the U.S. is in hot and dry conditions, except for a few lucky pockets. Yeah, and uh, Jason Mock, a great follow on Twitter, put out, Uh, a little piece this morning about a system that might be moving through some dry pockets in the Southwest. So hopefully we can get some rain uh, as some fronts maybe build up with some of the extreme heat headed this week here, headed our way this week in the forecast. 
Nonetheless, Tanner, markets are not responding to the news of hot and dry conditions. They've chewed through that news and certainly are looking a little ugly this morning in the grain markets as new crop corn is trading about 25 cents lower here at the open around 582. New crop soybeans down 47 to 50 cents here, Tanner. Trading around 1347, wheat's down about 15 cents in the complex, and livestock are having a little bit of an opposite story today. Live cattle and pewter cattle are trading positive on the day, and lean hogs is trading mixed, Tanner. So unfortunately, we're not having a Market Monday interview this week as it is already Tuesday, but we'll stay on top of what's going on in the markets this week because it's not looking pretty to kick us off. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it will be a great conversation, though, to hopefully brighten up this Tuesday. What do you say? Should we jump into it? Let's jump in. Hey, listeners, we have the pleasure of having Missy Bonds on our podcast. She is the Assistant General Manager of Bonds Ranch and a advocate for the storytelling that we have discovered here. And we're more than pleased to have her on. Welcome to the podcast, Missy. Thank you for having me. How are things down there in Texas? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and what part of Texas you're from? Well, um, I live just north of Fort Worth, but we run cattle in 26 counties in the state of Texas and 13 different states. We are involved in the cow-calf sector in the stalker sector, and we also feed cattle. We don't own a feed yard anymore, but we do feed in commercial yards. Right now, things are dry. I saw on the news this morning that we are eight inches below, over eight inches below normal for the year here in the Fort Worth area. And going, just getting through 4th of July, I passed uh, there's a road that goes through the middle of our ranch, and there were, I think, five different spots that burned from fireworks just every week. Now, luckily, they were not big spots. They were just, you know, side of the road. But mo- where most people enjoy Fourth of July time, getting to, you know, grill and do all that kind of stuff. Fourth of July gives me major anxiety and panic attacks because um, I, I sit back and wait for the fires to come. Jeez, yeah, I mean, fact. that doesn't sound very, very fun for what you guys would have to deal with, I'm sure. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about on the podcast, lots of areas of the country that desperately need rain. Uh, definitely, it sounds like your area as well. But Missy, I'm curious, tell us a little bit more about your family's ranch. How many generations has it been around? What kind of geography do you cover? And what do you do with your role specifically? I am third generation. So we are fairly young and as as it stems for ranching. My grandfather, uh, my grandfather bought the ranch in the 30s and he bought the property that we consider our headquarters back then. Um, it was the old Hicks estate, part of the old Hicks estate that he purchased 12 miles north of the courthouse in Fort Worth. So as to geogra- uh, geography and everything, what we look like, we're 
Well, we used to be rolling prairie here, but now we are um, rolling houses. We are being taken over by urban development here on our home place. With that, there's pluses and minuses to it, but it has allowed us to be able to expand because we've been selling off of some of this property has been able to allow us to go into other locations. So is this something that has started recently in your area or has the urban sprawl kind of just slowly been creeping out? Um, You've seen it come in waves. Um, It started back, it first started back in the early 2000s, kind of had your first wave and then just came to a screeching halt back, oh, I would say about 2005 or six, And then from there, it's taken until the past, I would say, year and a half. Um, and you've really started seeing this north side of the Fort Worth area, which is where we are located at, really start um, kind of really coming into an expansion. And everybody wants to move to Texas. Everybody wants to get out more. I'd say COVID did more for expanding outside outside of the city limits than for anything. Everybody wanted to be outside more open space. They wanted uh, more room and whether if that meant more even even more neighborhood type, uh, but still even more out outside of town than um, where you still got the luxury of of your neighborhoods and and your community, but you still had the 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 open spaces and small town feel then that's what they kind of went for and that's what that's what we're experiencing now out where we are so we've reported on a lot of articles that state there's corporations that are looking at moving out of california headed to texas direction a couple from illinois uh i believe it's it's just a the way the government in texas is welcoming them in now but it does have repercussions on the amount of real estate that's available for agriculture. One thing that we discussed here pre-interview is the unique way that your ranch views profitability or future investments. So as one piece gets sold, you have a specific approach on how you evaluate what your next move is going to be, correct? When we're buying cattle, we look at a return on equity. When we look at land, we look at the return on our investment even even that way. We look at what the value is at that moment. How over if is it overpriced? You know, you really it's hard to make land pay for itself with cattle anymore. No matter where you are and how how you're trying to make it pencil. It's it's just really hard. And so what other opportunities are there? Do you 
are you getting with with the sale of that land? Are you getting oil and gas with it too? Are you getting those what with where you're buying? What other kind of um, hunting hunting opportunities are you going to be getting? What other kind of chances of expa- urban expansion would you be coming into with purchasing and where you, where you were buying there? Um, so we're we're always trying to look at what the return on the investment that we are we are buying, no matter whether it be cattle or land, uh, it may be. And Missy, I know you've been a pretty big advocate for fighting for some of these issues, but tell us about some of the other issues right now that you've been watching that have been impacting cattlemen and ranchers. Oh, there's there's several of them. Um, one of one of the big ones right now is is fighting for um, waters of the U.S., fighting against waters of the U.S. and, and what the definition of navigable water waters means. You know, for me, a navigable water means that if you can run a boat up and down it, it does not mean that creek that's running in my pasture that trickles out of my pond. And... Um, I don't, if, and, and the time that we are in right now, timing is of the essence. And there's a lot of people right now that in this drier time that are out going in and cleaning out water tanks and water and, and their ponds and trying to look for the, in the future for, for when um, a drought situation comes that they have water availability and doing whatever they can to protect the water for their animals and make that water availability there. And if if this Waters of the U.S. comes in, then they're trying to make it where they have the right to govern whether you come in and dig out your water, your, your ponds or not. You would have to get a permit to do that. And we all know how long it sometimes takes to get a permit from the government. It's not it's not you call up today and you get it in an, in an hour. You could, in in theory, lose your window of opportunity to get your your tank cleaned out to be able to increase your water capacity, your water holding capacity, waiting on the waiting on the government to be able to fulfill your permit situation. Yeah, we certainly do have a lot of challenges that are fo- facing today's ranchers and farmers uh, all together. Uh, we had a conversation last week uh, out in California discussing water rights and what they're facing. We're exploring across the country how these issues are, are continuing to affect and provide challenges, but farmers are resilient. They always push forward. So what, what do you see as a positive in your piece of agriculture here as we get ready to wrap up this conversation? Well, the one thing, and even just sitting here thinking about it, it gives me the chills. Because as as a lot of people know, state of Texas has been wracked with several wildfires here recently in the past several months, as well as New Mexico and a lot of Western states have been as well. The coming together of our agriculture community to help help each other 
no matter if we agree on every facet of industry or not, when it comes down to it, when when we are in a time of need, we are there for each other. We are there to help each our neighbors out. Um, we we stand beside each other. We we ask, what can we do to help? What do you need? And and there's no questions asked um, when some of these fires plagued over just to the west of the of the Fort Worth area. There were um, trailers upon trailers upon trailers of people just sitting alongside of the road, just waiting for for people to give them direction on who needed help getting cattle out and um, where to take them to. And that camaraderie and that sense of community that agriculture has is not held in any other industry out there. And that is something that I am extremely proud of. And it, it, it makes me proud to be in this industry. Missy, that was really impactful. And thank you so much for sharing that with us and our listeners today. And it's been really good to get to know you and hear your story. And thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, there you go, Delaney. It was not a Tech Tuesday conversation. It was a Texas Tuesday conversation. So good to get caught up on what things are like with our friends in the South. Yes, I agree, Tanner. That was certainly a lot of good information there. And yikes, I just hate hearing about all these people that need rain. Yeah, if we could send them some, we could. Unfortunately, we can't. So all it is is prayers. But what do you say for the end of today? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.